Well, good evening, everybody. It's so good to see all of you. My name is Chris Ward. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I am so excited for what we're going to be talking about today, because today we get the opportunity, as you've heard, to talk about what is really one of my favorite subjects to talk about in the church, and that is the subject of prayer. And so if you brought your Bibles, I would invite you right now to turn to Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 6. And as you find your place in Matthew chapter 6, as you can imagine, as I have been thinking this past week about developing in our life a rhythm of prayer, which is, uh, as I said, what we're talking about here today. I've been thinking just sort of generally this past week on the subject of prayer. And one of the things that struck me is I, I just don't know, brothers and sisters, if we will ever on this earth fully appreciate all that God has given to us in this gift, and it really is a gift, in this gift called prayer. And I don't know if we will ever fully appreciate all that prayer tells us about the character and the nature of the God that we worship. Uh, I had you turn to Matthew chapter 6, but I actually want to start today in another passage of Scripture, which we'll put on the screen. This is Romans chapter 11. This is truly one of my favorite passages in the Bible. The Apostle Paul is speaking here, and he's just talking about the greatness of our God. And this is what he says. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And that is such a rich passage. In fact, I really think that is one of the most God-honoring, exalting passages in the entire Bible. And what Paul is telling us in that passage is he is just telling us how God is far greater, he's more knowledgeable, he's wiser than anything we could ever imagine. And of course he is, right? One of the things that we believe about our God is that he created the world and everything in it. Everything we see, everything we have, everything we are, it comes from God. God is everything. In light of that, how amazing is it, brothers and sisters, that our God would give us not just the opportunity to, to even talk to Him in the first place, not just the opportunity to even address Him in the first place, but how amazing is it that our God would, would give us the opportunity to actually influence some of the things that He does here on this earth, some of the decisions that He makes in this world that He created. And yet that's exactly what we believe God allows us to do in prayer. I mean, do you understand how incredible that is? And do you understand how unique that makes our God? You know, there's a sort of a general principle that, that works in the world that I don't know if you've ever thought of before, but the principle is this. Generally speaking, uh, the higher up that someone goes in this world, uh, the less accessible they end up being. Uh, I think, for example, in, in the political realm, you know, it's probably relatively easy for me to get a one-on-one -on -one meeting with my representative in the California state legislature, but I know it's a little bit harder for me to get a meeting with the representative, uh, my representative in the United States uh, Congress, and I know it's even harder still for me to get a meeting with uh, one of the senators of our state, and I know it's virtually impossible for me to even think about getting a meeting with our vice president or our president. I think in the business world, at the, the company I used to work for, it was relatively easy for me to be able to meet one-on-one -on -one with my direct supervisor. It was a little bit harder, however, for me to get a meeting one-on-one -on -one with uh, one of the vice presidents of my company. 
And it was absolutely unheard of. It was impossible for me to think about getting a meeting with our CEO or a member of the board of directors. Generally speaking, the higher up that someone goes in this world, the more power, the more authority, the more responsibility that they have, the the less accessible they end up being. Our God's the exact opposite of that. Our God has more power, more authority, more uh, responsibility than every CEO, than every politician combined. And yet right now, if you wanted to, you could talk to him. Right now, if you wanted to, you could meet with him. In fact, I can tell that some of you are doing that right now because your eyes are closed. And the only reason for that I can imagine is because you're praying and not because you're sleeping. We can meet with God at any moment. Do you understand how incredible that is? Well, if you don't, my hope is by the end of our time together, you will. Uh, I've chosen as our passage that we're going to anchor in today, I've chosen Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. And this is probably one of the most familiar, one of the most foundational passages in the entire Bible on the subject of prayer. In fact, this, this passage tells us so much about prayer. It tells us what it is. It tells us why it's important. It tells us how, why it works. It even tells us a little bit about how to do it. And because there is so much going on in this passage, uh, what I've done for this weekend to help us through it is I've come up with a statement that sort of summarizes all that Jesus tells us in this passage. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to unfold this statement to you one phrase at a time, and that's going to sort of serve as our, our outline for today. And so if you like to take notes, you can either write this down as it comes one phrase at a time, or you can wait until the end, however you want to do it. But, but the first phrase I want to share with you is this. The first thing we're going to focus on this is this, and it's, it's, it's that prayer is calling upon God as our loving Father, okay? That's the first phrase for you of our statement. Prayer is calling upon God as our loving Father. And I get this statement from the first couple of verses that we're going to look at today. Pick it up with me in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is speaking here. It's the, uh, right in the middle of the very famous Sermon on the Mount, the longest uninterrupted teaching of Jesus we have in our Bible. And right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, verse 7. He says, and when you pray... He says, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And we will stop right there. And I'll tell you what, I don't know what you think about those couple of verses I just read at first pass. Uh, Maybe they seem a little bit unassuming to you. But as I have spent time with those couple of verses this past week, I, I have realized that in those two verses I just read, we have what I think is probably some of the most important verses in the entire Bible on prayer. And I think in many ways, these verses right here, they form the foundation of prayer for us. Because in these verses, we find out not only what prayer is, but we find out why prayer is so special for us Christians. As we begin taking a look at these first couple of verses here, I want to first draw your attention to the word pray at the beginning of verse 7. Jesus begins the statement by saying, and when you pray. And the Greek word that is translated pray there is the Greek word prosyukamai. Okay, prosyukamai. And the reason I share that with you is prosyukamai is one of the more common words in our Bible that is translated as pray or prayer in our Bibles. In fact, I did a search this past week and I found that the Greek word prosyukamai is used 85 times in the New Testament alone. It's one of the most common Greek words for prayer. 
And what the Greek word prosukamai means literally is it means to ask or to petition. Okay, that's what prosukamai means. It means to ask or petition. And the reason I share that with you is because at its most basic level, I want to let you know that that is what we are doing in prayer. What is prayer? What are we doing in prayer? Well, prayer is at its most basic level, it is asking God for things. It is petitioning God to do things. Okay, that's what prayer is. And I do want to emphasize that just for a second here, because one of the things I've observed is there's been uh, some kind of interesting teaching that's developed and come around recently on the subject of prayer. And some people have gone as far these days to say that prayer is not really us asking God for anything, but prayer is really us just trying to, to listen to God, to hear from God. In fact, there's this whole movement that's been called listening prayer that's developed, where you don't even say anything to God, and you just spend time trying to, to hear from Him. But, well, let me say something about that. I, I think it's a great exercise to try and hear from God. Definitely it is. But what I want to let you know is, strictly speaking, biblically speaking, that is not what prayer is. The reason that God has given us prayer is through prayer, God has given us the ability, the privilege to be able to talk to Him. And the ability, the privilege to be able to ask Him to do things and to ask Him for things. And the reason for that is because as we find in this passage, prayer itself rests on this foundation. And the foundation that prayer rests on is this relationship that we have with God. A relationship where God is our Father and where He is, uh, we are His children. And that's what we see as we continue on in these couple of verses here. So one of the first things that Jesus tells us about prayer in these couple of verses is that prayer is not unique to us Christians, okay? Other religions also pray. And you see that at the beginning of this verse, in verse 7, when Jesus says, and when you pray, He says, don't pray like the pagans pray. And that word pagan there is sort of a catch-all term in our Bible for anybody who follows after another faith or anybody who follows after another religion. And what Jesus is telling us in that statement is he's saying, listen, people of other religions, people of other faiths, they also have gods. We don't believe their gods are real, but they also have gods, and they pray to those gods. And that was true 2,000 years ago, and it is still true today. In fact, I came across a statistic this past week. 75% of Americans have said that they prayed at some point in the last month. That's more Americans than say that there are Christians, or really even, in some cases, believe in God. Okay, 75% of Americans say that they have prayed. Pretty much every single religion on this earth has this idea of talking to God and asking God for things. But there is something that is to make prayer unique for us Christians. And that's what Jesus tells us here. As Jesus characterizes the prayer of those of other religions, he uses a very telling word. And that is the word babble in the middle of verse 7. Jesus says, and when you pray, he says, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And the word that is used for babble there is a word that simply means just to talk a lot. And what Jesus is telling us is, especially at this time, if you were to listen to the prayers of people in other faiths and other religions, one of the things that would mark those prayers is they just sort of drone on and on and on and on and on. 
And we know that from our history books. As we look at the records of other religions, we see that there are some people who spent hours on end, even days on end, in prayer. And what is most interesting to me is the reason why Jesus says that they talk a lot. And you see that at the end of verse 7. He says the reason why they babble is this. He says they think they will be heard because of their many words. The reason they talk a lot is because they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now what's Jesus talking about there? Well, it, it actually goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. If you study some of the other faiths, especially at this time, you see in many of the other religions at this time that they viewed the gods that they worshipped or the God that they worship not unlike we might look at our president or not unlike we might look at the CEO of, of a company today. And that is, by and large, they viewed their gods as being inaccessible. They viewed their gods as being distant. In fact, in many religions, they were really told that their gods couldn't care less about them. And for that reason, if they ever wanted to petition their gods for things, if they ever wanted to ask their god to do something, you know what the first thing they had to do was? They had to get the attention of their god. They had to get their god to actually listen to them, they believed. And you know how they did that? They got really, really annoying. Truly, they did. They got really, really annoying. They treated their gods like our kids treat us when we're distracted as parents. And they would spend all this time sort of yelling their name over and over and over again, like our kids do, mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. And they would sort of do all of these dramatic things in order to get their God just to pay attention to them and just to listen to them in the first place. And sometimes they would spend hours just doing that. In fact, those of you who know your Bibles, you may know there's a great story of this in the book of 1 Kings. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, we have the prophets of this false god called Baal. And, and these prophets, they're trying to get Baal to answer this request. And we're told in 1 Kings 18 that they spend 12 plus hours just trying to get the attention of Baal. And they do all these strange th things to the point that at the end of these 12 hours, they, they literally, some of them begin cutting themselves in order to start bleeding just to get their God to pay attention. And why did they do that? Well, they did that because they had no relationship with their God. They did that because, as I said, they, they really believed that their God couldn't care less about them. And so in some way, they had to get their God's attention to even pay attention to them. Well, this is where Jesus says, our God is so different. And this is what makes prayer for us Christians so different. Look at me at verse 8 again. Right after Jesus talks about the, the prayer of the pagans, he says this in verse 8. He says, do not be like them. Do not be like those pagans in their prayer. Why? He says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Do not be like them, Jesus says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And if you'd like to take notes in your Bible, I would encourage you to somehow underline or draw attention to the word Father there in verse 8. And some of you know this, but I want to tell you for those of you who don't, at this particular time, it was, it was virtually unheard of for anybody to ever think of their God or of their God's in terms of the relationship of, of a father with his children. 
In fact, even in the Jewish faith at this time, which Christianity came out of, they didn't even really view God as their father. And so by using this term here, and by introducing it directly in the context of prayer, what Jesus is doing is he is giving us what I believe is the most important thing that we need to know about prayer. And that is that in prayer, we are not trying to get the attention of some distant deity who couldn't care less about us. No, prayer is first and foremost about a relationship. As we said, through prayer, we are calling upon God as our loving Father. And that is the first thing that I want to get across to you today. In fact, this is the most important thing that I want to get across to you. Because I really believe this truth right there, this this is the key to developing a a rhythm of prayer in our lives. You know, one of the things I I know about our church is I know that some of you have come from a, a, a tradition, a background, where prayer is a very confusing, a very complicated, and in some cases it's even a very fearful exercise. I know, for example, that some of you came from a religious uh, tradition that told you that the best way to pray is you, is you needed to hold something in your hand. And there were all these prayers that you had to memorize and recite in just the right order. Others of you, you came from a religious tradition where you were told that you shouldn't even bother trying to talk to God directly because God wouldn't listen to you. He only listens to people like me, priests and pastors. And you were told instead in prayer that you should pray to a dead Christian, a saint, or you were told to pray to Jesus' mom because they're the only ones in heaven who would listen to you. And, and if you prayed to them, then maybe they would go and talk to God on your behalf. And then still there are others of you who you weren't raised in a tradition like that, but prayer has always been really complicated and confusing. And you've always been worried about saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things in prayer. And I know that it's very common for some Christians for prayer to become not unlike this great puzzle or not unlike trying to figure out the combination of someone else's lock. And you're so worried about just doing exactly the right things, saying the right things in order to crack the code, in order to get God to listen to you and get God to answer your request. Well, what I want you to let you know, because it's what Jesus tells us in this passage, is not only is that a fundamental misunderstanding of what prayer is, more importantly, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what God is. Prayer is not about trying to crack some code. It's not about trying to say just exactly the right things to make sure that God listens to us or God pays attention to us. No, prayer is much more like just picking up the phone and calling our Father, our Father who who loves to hear from us. When I was in in college, uh, I was in a fraternity. And one of my fraternity brothers, uh, when I was in college at the time that, that we were in college together, his dad was the CEO of Home Depot. My fraternity brother's name was Mike Nardelli. His dad's name was Bob Nardelli. And some of you may know that name. He went on to be CEO of Chrysler and some other companies as well. And as you can imagine, being the CEO of Home Depot, that that was a very important job. And Bob Nardelli was a very important man. And therefore, it was hard. In fact, it was nearly impossible for any person to be able to talk to or get a meeting with Bob Nardelli. But it wasn't hard for my fraternity brother, Mike. Why? (laughs) Because Bob was just his dad. And at any moment, Mike could pick up the phone and he had a direct line 
to his dad. That's what God has given to us in prayer. Is God greater? Is God far more magnificent? Sorry, far more magnificent than anything we could imagine? Absolutely, He is. But when we think about God, what Jesus tells us here is we are to think about Him in terms of our Father. And that anytime we want, we can pick up the phone and we can call Him. And as I said, He loves to hear from us. And it is this idea that God is our Father. That is also what should take out the fear that we might have that we would do or we would say the wrong things when we come to God in prayer. This past week I was thinking of when my son Lucas was really young, two years old, something like that. And when Lucas was young, uh, one of his favorite songs was Wheels on the Bus. He wanted us to play Wheels on the Bus all the time. But obviously being two years old, he, he couldn't fully form sentences and ask for it. So he had his own special way of asking for wheels on the bus. And what he'd do is this. He'd, he'd move his hands in circles like this and he'd go wah, wah, wah. He'd go wah, wah, wah. And whenever my wife and I would see our son go wah, 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 what did we do? Did we say to Lucas, sorry, son, you need to phrase what you want in the form of a complete question with proper English and grammar before we're going to play that song for you? You better believe we did. We want our kids to excel, right? No, no, we didn't do that. No, this isn't jeopardy. This is parenting. This is a relationship. And so the second our son would go wah, 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 we knew exactly what he was asking for and we would put it on for him. Well, that's exactly what what Jesus says our Father does for us in prayer. In fact, Jesus actually says that our Father one-ups us earthly parents when it comes to prayer. Because as Jesus says at the end of verse 8, even before we ask God for something, He knows what we need. He knows what we're going to ask for. Think about that just for a second. Before you get down on your knees in prayer, Or, and I know this is a big fear for some of you, before you're ever asked in a small group to to pray out loud, and and as you get anxious about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, before a single word comes out of your mouth, God knows what you need. He knows what you're going to say. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still pray. We we should still pray. But what it does mean is it takes the the worry that we're going to say or do the wrong things in prayer away from us. And so that is the the first thing I want to get across to you. I want to take out the fear and the mystery of of prayer that I know some of you have. But prayer is not about trying to to get the attention of some God who couldn't care less about us. Prayer, first and foremost, is about a relationship. That's what Jesus makes clear here. But this is not the only thing that Jesus says in this passage on the subject of prayer. After establishing the foundation of prayer, Jesus goes on in this passage to give us an example of some of the things that we are to pray about, some of the things that we are to ask God for. And that's what you see in verses 9 through 13 of this passage. In verses 9 through 13 of this passage, they comprise what is probably one of, if not the, most memorized passages in the entire Bible. Because verses 9 through 13, they make up what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And I know that some of you grew up in traditions where you memorized this, and you said this every single weekend. It's the prayer that goes, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on. It's a very famous passage of Scripture. And what Jesus is giving us in the Lord's Prayer is He is giving us a model, an example, 
of the type of things that we are to pray for. And that's very important to recognize. You know, Jesus begins this prayer in verse 9 by saying something very strong. He says, this then is how you should pray. But I want to let you know that as strong as that sounds, virtually no scholar around today believes that Jesus is telling us that this is the only way that we can pray. And one of the reasons we know that is throughout the Bible, we have a bunch of different examples of different prayers, and and they're not all the Lord's Prayer. And so we're able to pray in a lot of different ways. But what Jesus is giving us in this passage is a model, as I said, an example for the type of things to pray for. And in light of what I just said, it it may sound a little bit strange and maybe even a little bit contradictory that Jesus would give us such a model, right? Because if God is our Father, if He knows what we need even before we ask Him, then why would Jesus give us a model prayer? Why wouldn't Jesus just say, well, then just pray whatever it is that's on your mind? Well, I've been thinking about that a lot this past week, and I think that maybe at least one of the reasons why Jesus gives us this example prayer is to set our expectations when it comes to prayer. Because although there are some people who are genuinely afraid to ask God for anything in prayer, there are other people who go to the other extreme. And some people hear this idea that God is our Father and that He knows what we need even before we ask Him. And and therefore, as a result of that, they, they almost turn God into this genie who has to grant every single request that we ask of Him. And, and that is not at all what, what prayer is about. Though God is often generous to us and He does say yes to some of the crazy things we ask Him from time to time, prayer is not first and foremost about what we want in this world. Prayer is about asking God for what He wants to be accomplished here on this earth. And that's what we see in the very first line of the Lord's Prayer. As you pick up the Lord's Prayer, as you look through the Lord's Prayer, one of the things that you see is there's kind of three broad requests that Jesus tells us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer. And because of the very limited time that we have here, we're going to go through these three requests very, very quickly. In fact, we're going to go through them far too quickly. And by the way, that brings up an aside here. Uh, Brothers and sisters, don't you think it's about time I'm given more than 35 minutes to teach on a weekend? Don't you think I should be given a little bit more? Okay. If you think that, uh, I have something I want you to write down. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen. This is the email address of my boss, okay? And what I want you to do this week is I want you to email. No, please don't do that. I... I will literally get fired if you do that, okay? So please don't do that. No, but seriously, we're going to go through this really quickly. But here's what I do want to say. We did a whole series a couple of years ago on the Lord's Prayer. And we spent a message on each one of the lines of the Lord's Prayer. And so I've asked our team to locate that series. And hopefully by the end of the week, they will have that up. Next week, they'll have that up. And so if you want any more detail on any of what is said here, you can, you can look at that. But we're just going to hit the highlights here. And the first thing that Jesus tells us is this. He tells us to pray for God to be made known. That's the first thing he tells us. In fact, to add to our phrase here today, prayer is calling upon God as our loving Father and asking one for him to be made known. And this is what you see in verse 9, the very first line of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the key word there is the word hallowed. And that's an old-fashioned word which basically means to honor. And what we're praying for here is we're praying for God's name, for God to be honored here on this earth. Which really means that what Jesus is telling us is he's telling us to pray that God would be made more known here on this earth. And this is what it's all about. 
One of the questions I get asked a lot as a pastor is, why does God answer yes to some prayer requests and no to other prayer requests? Well, believe it or not, the answer that the Bible gives us to that is, is really straightforward and simple, and it is this. God answers yes to those prayer requests that cause His name to be more honored, more people to know Him, Him to get more glory, and He answers no to those requests that don't have that as the end. This is what Jesus makes clear in John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. We'll put it on the screen, another very important passage in the Bible on prayer. Jesus says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And that sounds really strong, and it is, but, but notice the next phrase. He says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And there Jesus gives us the point of prayer. It is to glorify God. It's to make God more famous and more known here on this earth. And that is what this world needs. As I've said in recent messages, right? That what this world needs more than anything is is God here on this earth. God literally to return to this earth. But in the absence of that, what this world needs is a revival. What this world needs is more people to know God. And that is the first thing that we are to pray for. God, would you be made more known by more people here on this earth? That's the first thing. And then the second thing that Jesus tells us to pray for is this. We are to pray that God would move in our world. We're to pray that God would move in the lives of those around us. And that's what you see in verse 10, where we're told to pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what Jesus is telling us there is he's telling us we need to pray for this world. We need to pray for other people. And this is is a really important reminder. You know, one of the things I found is I found there's sort of two extremes that some people go to when it comes to prayer. One extreme, and honestly, I'm guilty of this too often, is there are some people who, who they only spend their prayer lives praying about themselves and their own needs, and their own desires, and their own wants. And, and, and in many ways, their prayers are, are sort of selfish in that respect. But then there are other people who go to another extreme. There are some people who are actually afraid to pray for themselves. They think it's selfish. And so they will only pray for, for other people. Well, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer that we are to avoid both extremes. As we'll see in a second, we are given permission. We are told to pray for ourselves and our own needs, but we're also told to pray for others. And that's what you see in this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I do think it's really interesting that Jesus would phrase this particular request this way. Because in phrasing this request this way, Jesus is acknowledging something that I think is a pretty big deal. And what Jesus is acknowledging is he is acknowledging that what we see going on in this world, specifically the mess that we see going on in this world, it's not God's will. It's not God's plan for this world. A couple weeks ago, I did a um, very difficult memorial service uh, for someone at our church. Every memorial service is is difficult, but this one was especially difficult. And that's because I did a service for a 44-year-old father of three that passed away. And all his three kids were ages 13 and under. So just a really hard circumstance. And at the reception for that service, I had someone come up to me and they said, Pastor, they said, if someone were to ask you why it was God's will that this man be taken from this earth so young, he said, uh, what would you say to that person? And that's an excellent question. And I said to this man this, I said, although I do acknowledge that God is in charge of everything, I said, it's really hard for me to use the language God's will 
to, to the death of anybody here on this earth. And the reason why is because I believe if you really want to know what God's will is for this earth, you need to look to Genesis chapter 2 and the Garden of Eden at the beginning of time. And you need to look to Revelation chapter 21 and 22 and the new heavens and the new earth at the end of time. Because there is where everything we know for certain happens exactly the way that God wants it. And what do we see in those two times? There's no death. There's no sickness. There's no sin. And that is God's will. All this stuff in between, that was because of you and me. That was because of the enemy. That's what we brought into this world. And, and that's what Jesus acknowledges here. And it's in these lines, your kingdom come, your will be done, we find how we're supposed to pray for other people in this world. It, it is based on these two lines that whenever someone comes up to me and they're struggling with some sort of sickness, I will always pray that God heals that person. Always. And why do I do that? Because I know it's God's will for that person to be healed. I know that. Now, whether God chooses to heal that person in this life or whether he chooses to heal in the next life, that's up to God. But I will always pray for healing. This is why whenever someone comes up to me and they're going through an unjust situation, I'm always going to pray for God's justice because I know God wants his justice to be accomplished here on this earth. And this is why whenever someone is going through a difficult relationship, I will always pray for peace and reconciliation in that relationship because I know that when Jesus returns to this earth and brings his kingdom, that's what he's going to bring. He's going to bring peace and reconciliation. And we are to pray for God's will to be done now as it is in heaven. And so we are to pray for those around us. And I, I just want to ask you, I want to make clear to you, are you praying for the world around you? Because we need to. We're all this world has, brothers and sisters. We are the priests of this world. We are the, the ones who petition God on behalf of this world. And this world needs us to pray for it. And that's the second thing that Jesus says here. And then the final thing that Jesus tells us here is he does give us permission to pray for ourselves. He, he tells us to pray for him to move in our own lives. And, and he tells us this on a couple of levels. One, Jesus tells us we need to pray for our physical needs. And you see that in verse 11, when we're told to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And most scholars believe that bread there, it's a stand-in for sort of all of our physical needs. And we're to pray for that. And I'd emphasize there the word daily. There is a, a, an awareness that we are to have, that we are dependent every single day for God to provide for us. And so we pray for our physical needs, and then we're to pray for our spiritual needs. You see that in verse 12, we're supposed to pray for forgiveness, 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 forgive us our debts, we're told to pray, as we also forgive our debtors. And debts there doesn't refer to physical debts, it refers to sins. We're, we're supposed to pray for forgiveness of sins, as we forgive other people their sins. And then in 13, we're, we're supposed to pray for spiritual protection. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so we're supposed to pray that God protect us from the enemy who wants to entice us into more sin. We need that protection from the enemy. And daily, we are to pray for that protection. And so we're to pray for ourselves. And that's what prayer is, according to Jesus. Prayer is calling upon God as our loving Father. And it's asking for him to be made known, for him to move in our world, and for him to move in our lives. That's what prayer is at its most foundational level. And what I want to emphasize to you right now, brothers and sisters, is just how much we need prayer. How much we need it. This past week I was spending some time thinking about the example of Jesus. And the example that Jesus set in regards to prayer. 
And if you have some extra time this week, I'd encourage you to read one of the Gospels, Matthew or Mark or Luke especially, and, and notice all the times that we're told that Jesus goes away someplace in order to pray. And I was reading through those, some of those references this past week, and, and it just struck me about Jesus' prayer life. Because, you know, one of the things that we believe about Jesus is we believe the same thing we, uh, about Jesus that I said about God at the beginning, because Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus is far above, he's far greater than anything we could ever imagine. And when Jesus was on this earth, the Bible tells us that he was perfect, which means that there was none more satisfied, none more fulfilled, none more joy-filled on this earth than Jesus. And yet I would argue there's probably no one who prayed more than Jesus. And that stood out to me because, listen, if if Jesus himself saw the need for prayer, if Jesus himself, in a sense, required that time with his Father here on this earth, then how much more do you and I need it? How much more do you and I require? You know, the older I get, the more I do believe that prayer is the answer to so much of what we're facing right now. And as our world gets further and further away from God, it is prayer that's going to keep you and me grounded. And it is prayer that's going to keep you and me connected. And it is prayer that's going to move the mountains that are in front of us right now. And so this week, I want to issue you a challenge, and it's a very simple challenge. It's wrapped up in one word, and that word is simply pray. This week, I want you to pray. And I don't want prayer to be the last resort, the last thing you turn to after everything else is done. That's so often how we treat prayer. Well, there's nothing I can do now but but pray. No, I want prayer to be your first instinct in whatever you're facing. Are you going through a difficult time at work? Pray. Are you experiencing a difficult time in your family? Pray. Are you feeling a sense of hopelessness about what's going on in our political realm right now? Pray. Are you, are you struggling, feeling overwhelmed in, in your parenting responsibilities or feeling overwhelmed and trying to take care of aging parents right now yourself? Well, then pray. Pray to, for God to be made known. Pray for God to intervene in the world around us and pray for God to intervene in our own lives. There is so much that we gain through prayer. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing that we lose in praying. It's like that old hymn. You know I was going to quote a hymn, right? It's like that old hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It is through prayer that we see God's purposes advance here on this earth. And that's what leads us to the end of our service here today. Uh, as Jeremiah said at the beginning, we've, we've left sort of a, a very extended time at the end of our service. And the reason why is we didn't just want to talk about prayer today. We, we wanted to do it. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the first part of this little activity that we're, uh, we're going to do, and then Jeremiah's going to give you the second part of it. But when you came in today, as Jeremiah said, you were supposed to get a, a, a little cart. And if you haven't gotten it yet, that's okay. We have them at, at actually the the carts around the worship center. And even if you're watching the pavilion, we have them in the pavilion as well. And during this next song, we're gonna, we're gonna, Jeremiah's gonna play and the team's gonna play the song, Run to the Father. And we want you to use this song as a time of reflection to write on that card a, a prayer request. 
to write on that card your heart's desire, what, what you believe God would want in, in your own life or in the life of someone that you love, something that's on your heart right now. And I want you to write on that card whatever it is that you want. Now, just so you know, we will actually be putting them around the worship center, so don't write any more that you would be, than you would be comfortable other people seeing. But I don't care how big or audacious the claim is, okay? Because our God can do anything. And so I want you to write anything on that card that you feel, uh, you, you feel led to write during this time. And then after this next song, we're going to give you some instructions on what to do with that. And so we are going to head into this moment of reflection, but before we do that, uh, let's, let me close my time right now just with some prayer. So would you, would you bow your heads with me? And so, Father, as we come before you, and as we reflect on this important, foundational, and yet at the same time necessary, God, aspect of prayer, Father, I, I pray that right now, um, you would move uh, all of what I said from maybe just this intellectual thing, God, examining what prayer is and why it works and how to do it, God, and, and you would begin to move that in, into our hearts, Lord. And you would let us recognize that right now as we enter into this time, God, there is really a sense in which in this room, uh, heaven and earth meet because we get the opportunity to talk directly to you we get the opportunity to address you, God. And not only does your word tell us that you hear us in this time, Father, but God, you, you listen to us. You take into account what we say, and, and God, amazingly, um, our lives and the lives of those around us, I believe, will be different as a result of the prayers that are offered up here today. And so, God, I, I pray right now that you would bring to our heart and to our mind God, the pressing issues that we are facing, whether it be in the lives that, uh, of ourselves or the lives of those around us, God, that we would uh, write those things out on, on this paper that we have, Father, and that we would recognize that, um, God, uh, you can, and I and, and believe indeed in many situations, you will intervene uh, with this re these requests that are lifted up here today, God. And Father, I just pray that there would be a sense in which as we, as we come together right now, as we pray right now, God, that we are in a sense standing on holy ground because you are present through your spirit. We know that you are present, God. And I pray that you would give us the faith to recognize that and to believe that you're going to do great things in our midst. And so, God, we do thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do, Lord. And we give this time over to you for you to do with it what you will. We love you, Father. We thank you. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen.